Angela Green was a 51-year-old from Prairie Village, Kansas. She was born in China and was a stay-at-home mom. On June 20th, 2019, Angela kicked her daughter out of the house. The next day, Angela and her husband visited his brother and sister-in-law. After that, stories vary regarding Angela. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. As many of Unfound's guests have stated over the last four years, the not knowing is the worst part of their situations. I'm not sure who first stated that. Was it Mary Lyle in the very first interview? It very well could have been Mary. Although I'm not surprised by that sentiment now, back then at the beginning of Unfound, I was. And I'm not sure I totally comprehended my guests' feelings until my mother died in November 2018. Why? Because there was a finality to it. I was there when she stopped breathing. I was there when the machine made that ooh sound that we all associate with a heart stopping. I knew it was the end. And in that moment... I understood what my guests don't feel. Theirs is something more nebulous, unsatisfying, and often debilitating. Really, many of them aren't even sure if their loved one is alive or deceased. We accept that leaving this earth is a part of life. What our minds don't accept is not knowing if it has happened or not. Well, in the disappearance of Angela Green, her husband told their daughter Ellie, among other stories, that Angela died from a stroke in a mental hospital. Yet, he offered no proof to back up this tale. Moreover, he didn't even tell his co-workers or family about it. And over a year later, the rest of Angela's family admits there are no signs of death. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Angela Green was born in China, her Chinese name being Hin He. She was known to be outgoing and friendly. In the mid-90s, through mutual acquaintances, she met a man from the United States, Jeff Green. Angela moved to the U.S., and they got married. She stayed at home while Jeff's work in the automobile field took him outside the country. In 2000, they had a daughter, Ellie. However, after an incident with Ellie, Angela became much more withdrawn, not liking to travel except for driving her daughter to and from school. In addition, Angela could be demanding, especially of her daughter. And this came to a head on June 20th, 2019 when they had a fight in which Angela kicked Ellie out of the house. Ellie went to live with her boyfriend, 
The next day, Angela and Jeff visited his brother and sister-in-law, who lived nearby. A few days after Ellie got kicked out, Jeff told her that he had Angela admitted to a mental hospital. However, Jeff would not say what hospital or what city or if the facility was even in Kansas. Then, a month after that, Jeff told Ellie that Angela had died of a stroke. Yet, he provided no proof of this. Months later, a search by Ellie proved there was no death certificate for Angela in Kansas. Eventually, Ellie told Angela's side of the family everything that had transpired. This led to law enforcement showing up at Jeff's to do a welfare check in February 2020. Angela wasn't there, and Jeff told them Angela had left with unknown friends, contradicting everything he'd told Ellie over the preceding seven months. Since then, Jeff is lawyered up. I realize that you, the listeners, will have probably already made up your minds given the facts in this summary. However, our job is to figure out how to bring this mystery to a conclusion. So please contemplate these questions as you listen to the upcoming interviews. Number one, why would Jeff perpetrate the story of Angela dying when it proved so easy to show he was lying? Number two, if Jeff is lying about everything, why didn't he start with the Angela left with friends story from the start? A story that would be difficult to disprove. And number three, if Jeff did something to Angela, even by accident, how could a 60-something-year-old man get rid of a woman who was five foot nine, all by himself? Angela's family believes Jeff knows exactly what happened to Angela and where she is. The guests for this episode are Angela's niece, Michelle Guo, and Angela's daughter, Ellie Green. Unfound News As many of you now know, Steve Pankey was recently charged with the murder of Janelle Matthews in 1984. I interviewed Steve almost exactly a year ago. If you haven't listened to it, the episode is still available on Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast locations. I think it is the only interview Steve did with anyone in the true crime podcasting community. Next, last week, ex-wife Lena Michelle North and her boyfriend, Jeremy Lewis, were charged with the murder of Tyler North. We covered his disappearance a little over a year ago. Michelle and Jeremy being involved has been the most popular theory since Tyler went missing. However, Tyler's remains have still not been found. Finally, please look for some new map videos on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube this weekend, where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Deezer, Facebook, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on our podcast channel for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. And do not forget the website. The Unfound Podcast dot com.
a note before the interviews begin. Unlike last week where I spliced two separate interviews together, for this episode, Michelle's entire interview will play first. Then you will hear from Ellie. I will announce when Michelle's ends and Ellie's begins. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the niece of Angela Green, Michelle Guo. Michelle, welcome to Unfound. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me today. You're very welcome. Let's talk a little bit uh, about you first. You are uh, Angela's niece, meaning your mother and she are sisters. Yes, Angela uh, was my mom's younger sister. Younger sister, okay. How many siblings do they have? There's three of them total. My mom is Angie, and they have a younger brother. Younger brother, okay. And would you say um, that uh, – how often would you say uh, that you spoke to your uh, Aunt Angela? How oft, How close were your mother – and Angela, et cetera. Of course, we'll get into uh, Angela being born in China, et cetera. But just in that year, last year, 2019, um, you see each other often, talk to each other often, anything like that? I actually haven't seen my Aunt Angie since I was about seven, so um, almost 20 years ago. Huh. Uh, and... We used to both live in Kansas. My family used to live in Kansas. And then after we moved away, um, I never saw her in person after that. She and my mother would speak not super often. I want to say maybe once a month. Um, I think my mom has four kids, so she was always busy with us. And then um, I think mostly Angie would just call to ask for advice about Ellie going to college um, and just kind of like parenting tips. My mm. mom had gone through all of that already. So they wouldn't talk um, very frequently, but when they did talk normally, it was um, just Angela asking for advice for raising Ellie. Okay, well, obviously, if your mother had four kids, I guess she could give uh, Angela some help then, right? Right, <laughs> With yeah. Four. Okay. Uh, any particular reason, and um, we're not going to uh, say where you are now or anything like that, but I guess you moved far enough away that it wasn't convenient for everybody to get together? Is that just how it worked out? Yeah, and I think um, our families, like I have a big family, so we never really traveled back to Kansas. Um, and Angela had like a deep fear of traveling, and uh, we think it probably stemmed from shortly after Ellie, my cousin, was born. Um, they went on a trip to Florida, and they drove back. Ellie got really, really sick, and they had to call an ambulance, and they were mm-hmm. far away from home. And she was terrified and thought maybe that she would even lose Ellie. So after that, I think she kind of, like, swore off traveling. Wow. Okay. And that might uh, become an issue uh, later in this conversation. Okay, so then I I understand it. So after you, uh, your family moved away, never quite made it back uh, to Kansas, and like you said, a big family. It's it's much more harder to travel, of course. All right, right, let's talk about Angela. She was born in China, and why don't you maybe talk a little bit about that as much as you know, and 
you know, what was she into? Her, edu- uh, her education, what kind of interests she had, uh, did she work, you know, those types of things. And then we'll get into how she came to the United States and about marrying Jeff. Sure. So uh, my Aunt Angela was born in China. Um, she was the second daughter of my grandparents. My mother was first. Um, both my grandparents college professors and I know that my mom said growing up, Angie was very athletic. Like she, like sprints and a lot of like track and field, and she would always wow. um, win in her categories. And mm. um, I think that she had an interest in journalism, and that's what she was hoping to study and pursue a career in. Okay, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but she was a tall woman. She was like five nine. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she was pretty tall. All right, so then maybe that went along with her athleticism. Okay. So she was born in China. What uh, what area of China? It's a suburb that's kind of close to Beijing. Suburb close to Beijing. Okay. And so um, she was into those things that you said. And how did it come about that she met Jeff, uh, the man that she ended up marrying, the guy she was married to? At the time of her disappearance, um, you know, how, how did that all come about? And then maybe we'll talk about him a little bit in particular. Sure. So my parents came to the U.S. in the 80s um, to go to grad school. So they arrived about 10 years um, to the U.S. before Angie did. And they lived in parents came to visit to help uh, my parents out and raised my siblings and I. And while my grandparents, they met a friend who knew Jeff. And um, I think this friend kind of said, oh, like, we know that your daughter is still single, maybe waiting to get married. I know this nice guy named Jeff, and he actually does a lot of business in China, so maybe, like, they could get together sometime, and maybe they could, like, so they kind of were trying to set them up. So that's how they originally met. And they, um, I believe they spoke on the phone a couple times or maybe just kind of wrote letters back and forth. And then finally, after speaking for a bit, um, during one of Jeff's business trips to China, he and Angie met up for their first date. Huh. What year do you think this was, Michelle? Can you give it a guess? Sure. I want to say probably like 1996. Okay. So mid-90s. All right. And uh, do you think it was ever in Angela's plans to marry a a guy from the United States, or is that just how it worked out? I think it's just how it worked out. I know that my mom said, like, after she met Jeff, they were kind of like, going over the date and, like, doing a recap, and she was saying, like, how she thought that he was, like, so nice and how she liked that he was, like, very tall, and they got along. Um, Although Jeff didn't speak very much Chinese, and my aunt, she had been learning English since she was in middle school, but her English wasn't perfect either, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly what their communication was like, but they seemed to have hit it off the first time that they met up. Great. And so this was, uh, once again, mid-90s, so 
Uh, Angela's 51 now, so she would have been in her mid-20s. Right. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about Jeff uh, specifically so the listeners can get to know him a little bit better. First of all, my understanding is that uh, he's much older than Angela, so she would have been 25, but he was well into his 30s at this point or, or what? Yeah, he was um, 13 years older than her. Okay. All right. And – but he had also uh, – although they – he and Angela did end up having a child, Ellie. Uh, he did have, though, a child from a previous relationship. Do you know anything about that marriage? Um, and was he – let's just put it this way. Was he forthcoming about that when he ended up meeting Angela and your family for the first time, or is that something that came up later? Yeah, I'm. I'm not too sure about – his earlier marriage. I do know that he um, told Angie that he was younger than he actually was. Mm. So he lied about his age and the age gap. And at the time when he was dating Angie, his daughter from his first marriage was living with him and he didn't tell his daughter or his ex-wife that he had met someone new and that she was coming to the U.S. to get married to him until she was actually already in the U.S. And he, oh. I believe, like kicked his daughter out of the house getting married to someone new. So you need to move out and she's moving into the house after we get married. So just to be clear on this, so when it was uh, determined that Jeff and Angela were going to get married, uh, Jeff's daughter from a previous marriage was living with him and he kicked her out? That's the way you understand it. I realize you weren't there, but that's the way you understand it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I like, came as a shock that his ex-wife and his daughter, mm -hmm. they had no idea that he was even dating or talking to anyone, let alone about to get married and having this woman from China come over and get married and, and live with him. Okay. I'm sure the listeners will think about that. I, I suppose we can see both sides of the story on that. Maybe it's none of their business if they're divorced. On the other hand... Maybe it becomes their business at least a little bit if he, you know, if he has other family living with him, and then, like you said, maybe you know, just kick them out. That does sound, sound a little cold, but we weren't there. It could, it could have happened. I could see both both sides of this. Okay. Um, what about his personality? Uh, how would you explain his personality? The kind of guy I guess that he was, and maybe your uh, your mother knew him a little bit better. How do you think she would explain? the kind of guy that Jeff is? He was always very quiet, very mellow. He was really into, like, vintage cars, and he was also very handy. Like, he was very good with construction. If we ever needed something at our house fixed, he would just be able to do it himself. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, I don't remember him being, like, super, super outgoing um, I was so young when I met him, but I just remember that he was really into cars. He didn't talk too much. He was pretty quiet, and that he was, like, very handy. Okay. Well, guys that are into vintage cars or women that are in vintage, into vintage cars usually are pretty handy. They have to probably usually work on them themselves. So that I guess that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So kind of a laid-back guy. Uh, what kind of pat personality do you think that they were two peas in a pod, or was this kind of a situation more where opposites attract? What do you think it was? How would you explain uh, Angela's personality compared to his? 
Angela was always very outgoing. Um, first came to the U.S. She lived with my family for about three months before she and Jeff got married. And, um, yeah, my mom always described her, like, when they were younger, too. She was always, like, very, like, performative and, like, very outgoing. Um, mm-hmm. I think with Jeff, she was a little um, more docile, I think, maybe because mm-hmm. of the language barrier. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, when she was around and kind of just, like, followed his lead, whereas mm-hmm. usually she was, like, a very strong woman would kind of do her own thing. But then with Jeff, she kind of just followed his lead, it seemed like. Okay. All right, so they get married, uh, mid-'90s, and what kind of marriage would you say uh, that they had? Uh, once again, I know you're very young at the time, maybe once again just from your your family's point of view, um, Jeff and Angela, what kind of marriage? Yeah, I remember they seemed to get along. Um, like, they would take my sister and I out to, like, museums and parks, and we would all hang out together. Um, my mom says that she remembers, like, once we were all outside at a park, and it was really, really hot, so he was kind of, like, patting her with, like, cold water to make sure she was okay. And um, they seemed, like very lovey-dovey in the beginning where like she would like always sit on his lap or they'd always be holding hands or something like that um but i do know that the language barrier was kind of maybe at first it wasn't an issue but Mm -hmm. i know later on from my cousin ellie that was really frustrating for um her parents to not be able to like fully communicate with each other and ellie felt like she'd do a lot of the she was the, the translator Right, exactly. Okay, so what you're saying is that Jeff uh, never committed himself to learning Chinese to help Angela out, or I don't know if it would, uh, if that that was the language, Chinese, is that what it would be? Yeah, it yeah. would be. Um, yeah, according, it didn't, I know that his Chinese thing was like very, very minimal because he did do some business in China, so he knew like very simple words, but mm-hmm. um, I know like according to Ellie that um I think Angie was, like, frustrated that he never made an effort to learn Chinese either. Right. Okay. And how uh, did her English get better when she was living here? I think it did over time. At one point, my mom was saying that when she would call her, she would only speak English, and she would, like, refuse to speak Chinese to my mom anymore. Wow. Okay. Which my mom thought was, like, a little odd. She didn't understand fully why, but she thought, okay, I guess she's trying to be, like, as American as possible now and mm-hmm. not speak Chinese anymore. Okay. Well, if she could speak uh, English over the phone and people could understand her, I'd say that's uh, pretty good. I think right. That's pretty good. Okay. So there there seemed to be a, a a language issue that that you're describing here. I think that I can understand that. I only know English, so I might have been in the same uh same situation as Jeff. But would you ever say that um you know, of course this comes up in a lot of disappearances, but that Jeff was controlling of Angela, was he domineering? You said he's laid back, you know, just by himself, but we even know that Guys like that, once they get into relationships, maybe can be the opposite way. How would you or your family describe it? I think initially we didn't really think anything of um, their relationship being, like, 
controlling or anything like um kind of reflecting back like he never allowed her to like open up a bank account or she never had her own credit or debit card so whenever she wanted to go get something or go to the grocery store she would have to ask him for money to go get it and um like he never put her name on the deed of the house it does seem like she had become like very very dependent on him and felt like if she didn't have him or if they ever got divorced that she would have like nothing to her name because she didn't have her own money she didn't have like any title to the house or like any of their belongings really and like they didn't have a joint bank account it was just his bank account right so for this is just an example i'm not saying this would have ever happened or anything but being that she is not on the deed to the house then he might have a right if the 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 the, uh, marriage went south he could just kick her out and she would have no recourse Right, it. exactly. So it's yeah. just an example. It's just an example. Okay. Yeah. And you, uh, we, you've mentioned that Jeff was in China for business. What was his work? I know that he was. You told me that at the time of uh, Angela's disappearance, he was working in IT uh, for the local government there, federal government, at, or the courthouse or something there. But uh, what was his work uh, in the '90s that he was going to China? Do you even know? It had something to do with, like, auto mechanic sales, like, something to do with, like, car parts and um, something like that, yeah, with, like, dealing car parts and... Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, and I, I'm guessing then at some point he stopped doing that work and, and got something more local or... Yeah, I'm not sure at what point that was, though. Okay. So they get married in the mid-90s. Um, like you said, maybe lovey-dovey to start, and maybe, that, like you said, there might have been a language barrier uh, there. It seemed like Angela was er- learning English, but Jeff wasn't learning Chinese. That caused some issues. But then they ended up having their daughter, uh, Ellie. Uh, when was she born, and what kind of uh, parents uh, do you think uh, that Angela and Jeff were and how they raised their daughter? Ellie was born in the year 2000. Um, She was Angela's first and only child, so I know that Angela was super, super protective over her. And, um, like, she kind of, I think, like, if it might have come after the trip where they had a scare and, like, Ellie had to go to the hospital and everything. But she, I know that she sheltered her a lot, like, didn't really let her out of the house much. Um, I know that growing up, like, Ellie describes her mom as, like, a tiger mom who really pushed her to mm. do well in school and, um, like, play different instruments. Mm. And it seemed like Jeff was more of a hands-off parent, kind of more laid back, kind of just listened and, like, followed his lead when it came to parenting, at least. Um, Ellie, I know she wasn't allowed to have, like, any playdates or sleepovers as a child, and, like, the neighborhood moms or, like, moms from school would invite Ellie over for a playdate, and, um, Angie and Jeff always said no. Do you, uh, do you think, uh, that was more a factor of Jeff or more a factor? I have to admit, I don't know Jeff, I don't know Angela, but it does sound to me like this would have been more, uh, a standpoint of Angela over Jeff, what what would you say? I would say the same thing, yeah. 
Angela was super, super, super protective over Ellie. Like, after she was born, they rarely left the house. Um, like, she rarely, Angela rarely left the house to begin with, but especially after she had Ellie. Like, whenever we saw her, it was always, always us going over to go to their house to visit. Mm. Um, I remember, like, over Christmas, they came to our house, but that was really the only time that... Um, we knew that, like, Angela and Ellie would leave the house. Okay. And I'm guessing at the, this point, being that you said you hadn't seen Angela in many years, then I guess Ellie must have been very young when this this was, this was happening. Yeah. I think when we moved away from Kansas, Ellie was probably, like, a year old or maybe wow. even younger than that. Wow. Okay. All right. So they have a daughter, one daughter, Ellie. And she is, of course, 20 years old. And uh, the listeners should know, as of the date of this interview that I'm doing with Michelle, which is October 2nd, 2020, I do have plans to talk to Ellie. I've actually spoken to her before, but we've not totally made a final decision on whether she will appear on the program or not. But I think we're going to make that happen next week. But I've uh, not spoken to her uh, yet again after the first time. So some of these topics may come up again when I speak to Ellie if I get to speak to her and we can get together on something. I just want the listener to understand that. Okay, so um, they're parents of Ellie. Uh, Angela sounds like a little bit of a homebody. Jeff, I guess, is what we might call the breadwinner. He's the one working, and Angela is the housewife. Right. Okay. And then... Move up. Uh, you moved away. Your family moved away. And were there any other family members on your side of the family, on Angela's side of the family, living in the area of Prairie Village, Kansas, or was it just Angela by herself? No, um, it was just Angela. Um, my mother and Angie were the only two from their family that came to the U.S. Okay. Um, I know that some of Jeff's family lived there, but no one else from like my mom's side or Angela's side of the family. Okay. If you can say, uh, how do you think Angela felt about your mother, and I guess you were probably at the same time moving away, um, did she take that hard? Uh, how did she feel about that? Do you know? I think the fact that she had Ellie um, was kind of like the only thing that and the main thing that mattered to her because she spent all her time at home with Ellie anyway. So us moving away didn't make like a massive impact. But um, I think if I remember her kind of being like upset that my mom was moving away, it wouldn't just be like a 30-minute drive away anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So Ellie's born in 2000. Uh, can, can continue up through the 2000s into the 2010s. The way you remember it, uh, any issues in Angela and Jeff's marriage? Ever any talk of uh, abuse or divorce or anything like that, to your knowledge? I realize you were not there, but just through the grapevine or whatever. Yeah, not that I know of, but relationship between her parents was like really strange and she didn't realize how strange it was until she saw how other of her friends acted mm-hmm. like she said like her parents would never sleep in the same bedroom they were never like they've never kissed in front of her or anything and she 
she said, like, as she got older, their relationship seemed more like, like business partners or something. Like Ellie was saying this about her parents, Jeff and Angela. Correct. So uh, they were more like um, business partners, maybe some uh, people might say like brother and sister or something like that. Yeah. Than, than, than lovers, just... than romantic lovers. Exactly, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but no tales of uh, anybody who's ever said anything about abuse, once again, any uh, infidelity, anything on either of their parts, once again, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge, no. Okay. All right, so let's move up to uh, the disappearance year of 2019. So this is a fairly uh, recent uh, disappearance, at least in Unfound's uh, world. The average age of a disappearance we cover on the program is about 17 years old. Of course, this is just a year and about four months old. So some issues for 2019. First I have on this list is Ellie goes – to Italy, uh, what do you know about that? What did your mother know about that? Did you t to talk about it? Were you surprised that uh, she went abroad uh, to Europe uh, to study for, uh, I think, at least a few months? Um, how did that all go? What do you remember? Yeah, I was surprised when I first heard about it because I know that Angie kept Ellie like very, very close to her and like growing up, she was never allowed to have playdates or sleepovers or anything like that. So um, I was surprised that she would allow Ellie to go to Italy. But then later, Ellie told me that her dad, Jeff, didn't even tell Angie that she was going to Italy and that he approved it. It was kind of like last minute, like, oh, by the way, like they both told her, like, I'm going to be going to Italy and I'm going to be gone for I don't know how long it was, but like uh -huh. maybe like I want to say maybe three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. So it wasn't months. It was weeks. Okay. So I, I guess the way you're portraying this is Ellie kind of got permission from her father, then sprung it on her mother. Right. Right at the last minute, and we've all been kids. I think we've all done things like that. Maybe not to go study in another country, but other things that pop up in our lives as teenagers. Uh, Ellie wanted to go, and that's you know a lot of uh, kids do that. Totally fine. But uh, it sounds to me though that Angela wasn't. Um, Okay with that? I mean, I know we know Ellie went any, Ellie, anyway, but Angela had reservations. Right. Yeah, I don't think that she wanted Ellie to go. Okay. So Ellie goes, and do you know when this was? I know that she came back not long before Angela disappeared, but I, I'm guessing then this was sometime in May of 2019. Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. Probably like towards the end of May. Towards the end of May. She's gone for three weeks. Did she go? Uh, do you know she went with other people, other students? I'm guessing. I'm guessing she didn't go by herself, but other classmates yeah. or something. Yeah, I think she went with like a group of students. Cool. All right. I've never been to Italy. I think I'm a little jealous. Okay. Well, that was great for her to do that. Uh, do you know uh, what uh, Jeff and Angela did while she was gone? Uh, anything pop up? Did your mother talk to Angela? During this time, any issues, anything? I don't believe so. Yeah, I have I have no idea what they were doing while they were gone, okay. while Ellie was gone. Okay. And I don't think my mom spoke to her during that time. Okay. So Ellie takes off, uh, doesn't go uh, by herself. And by this time, though, Jeff, Angela is still a housewife, but her, her daughter's uh, going to be gone. But Jeff has a local job. Um, 
his job was in IT, right? Information technology, correct? Yes. So he would have been going to work, coming home every day? Right. The way you understand it. Okay. So now they're kind of empty nesters. Their daughter's taken off um, to Italy for a few weeks. Then Ellie gets back. Um, I should maybe ask you this. Uh, before Angela disappeared, how many times did you sp say you spoke to Ellie um, during 2019 in that first half? Let's just say the first half of 2019. Um, Not Super, super frequently. Sometimes she would ask me, like, advice about, like, college or, like, what classes should mm -hmm. I take and, like, what should I major and stuff like that. But we weren't super close. Okay. So she didn't, like, give you a heads up when she was going to be going to Italy. She, right. She, yeah. It wasn't, like, two weeks before she left. She didn't text you or message you, Instagram you, whatever, and say, you know what, hey, I'm going to be going to Italy in a couple weeks. Nothing like that. No. Okay. Okay. So Ellie's gone for those uh, few weeks. Uh, this is a, not when Angela disappears, but Ellie does come back. And what happens? She gets back. And what happens over those next few days? How would you uh, describe it? So I think Angela was relieved when Ellie got back. And she kind of thought, like, okay, you've had – you're fine, you got to study abroad now. Like, she really wanted her to just, like, stay home, prepare for, like, the upcoming semester. But I know that Ellie, she had kind of, like, gained more independence by then. And she had a boyfriend. And um, when she got home from Italy, she still wanted to, like, hang out with her friends and her boyfriend. And I know that made Angie, like, really angry because she thought, okay, you've already left me for, like, Italy. Now you need to come back and focus on your studies. And when Ellie wasn't doing that, then um, she got really upset and they got into a fight. And um, and she ended up, like, Ellie out of the house. Kicked her out of the house. Yeah. It's, apparently, it's, she just kind of, like, grabbed all of her grabbed like a couple of Ellie's things and said like okay if you want to go hang out with your friends and your boyfriend all the time like go hang out with them like don't hang like don't live here anymore go hang out with your friends and go hang out with your boyfriend wow. and um it was the first time she said it was just such like a minor fight mm -hmm. and she didn't really think anything of it so mm -hmm. she at first, she waited for her mom or her dad to text her to say, like, okay, like, I'm sorry, come back to the house. And she totally thought that it was just going to blow over in a couple hours. And But that's not what happened, right? Right. Yeah, that's not what happened. She ended up saying, um, she after she got kicked out of the house, she drove to a park. And then I think her boyfriend picked his parents if Ellie could stay with them for a couple of days. Mm. And they said yes, and uh, that was the last time that Ellie ever saw her mom. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the boyfriend, uh, just so we can put this kind of in the timeline. Uh, did this boyfriend also go to Italy, or did he stay in the United States while Ellie was gone? Uh, no, he was still in the U.S. while Ellie was gone, so okay. I know she was like super excited to see him when she got okay. back, too. Okay. And at this point, um, Ellie is born in 
uh, 2000, so maybe she was 18 or 19 last year. Um, was she was she already in college, or was this something for high school, or or what? Was she was she in high? I guess what I'm saying is, was she like a senior in high school, just like on the edge of graduating when she went to Italy, or was she already in college when she went to Italy? She was already in college. I believe she already finished her first year. Okay, so um, all right, and um, so she's in college, and so we have to remember that. Uh, she would have gotten back, like I said, uh, like we've said, a few days before Angela went missing. The accepted uh, disappearance date at this point is June 19th, 2019. Do you think that Angela was expecting uh, Ellie to take some summer classes or something? I mean, it wasn't like Ellie came back in October. Um, any idea, any insight into that at all? I mean, because college wouldn't have been starting again until August or September. So... Yeah, I'm sure Angela would have wanted her, like, taking summer classes and to, like, focus on her academics and not, or, like, to be working or something like that, having an intern, not just, like, hanging out with friends. Okay. And uh, Ellie, uh, being that she was going to college, and you think that that was at the end of, I guess, of her freshman year, was she staying, was she living at home and commuting, or was she uh, staying in a dorm or staying She in- was at a dorm. She was so, so it wasn't just that she was gone to Italy uh, and leaving Jeff and Angela alone, but being that she was staying on campus or near campus, those two were by themselves for most of the preceding year, being that she had gone to college. Right. Yeah, that's correct. I know that she would visit um, Angela would visit Ellie like mm-hmm. every week or so and like bring her food and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but. But for the most part, it seems like it was just Angela and Jeff alone while Ellie was in her first year of college. Okay. Um, when you found out about uh, Angela, I get, once again, you're put, you yourself are, are putting most of this getting kicked out on Angela, not Jeff. Uh, were you surprised by this? Were your, was your family uh, surprised by this when you heard about this story about Ellie getting kicked out? Surprising, not surprising? I don't think we were super surprised. We knew that Angela was like a very strict mom and always wanted Ellie close to her. So, um, like if Ellie had already been away at college and then went to go study abroad and then like insisted on hanging out with her friends and her boyfriend instead of studying and taking classes and stuff like that, um, I think we could all see how like Angela would get upset. Okay. All right, uh, so she moves out. Ellie's expecting her parents to, you know, text her, call her, and say, "Hey, why don't you come home?" But we know that never happened. And then, short time after that, is when Angela went missing. But just in general, the way your family looks back at it now, of course, over a year later, anything going on with Angela that you would say would would have been unusual? Any unusual behavior? Any unusual comments? Did she ever say, "Well, you know, I'm sick of Jeff, and I'm gonna..." Um, possibly, just as an example, uh, move back to China, anything like that at all? No, nothing like that. Okay. All right. So Ellie moves out uh, or gets kicked out. She's living with her boyfriend, and it's very nice of his family to allow her to move in, and it doesn't sound like she took very many things with her. Right. Okay. 
All right. So the day after, uh, in our previous conversation, Michelle, you told me that the day after Ellie um, moved out, though, Jeff and Angela went to some sort of party to a friend's house. Uh, what what do you know about that day? And in addition, you told me that um, it might have been during this day when Angela finally figured out, you know, what Ellie did. Why don't you? Uh, if you can explain all of that. Yeah, so it was maybe the next day after Ellie left or maybe like two days after, not positive, she went to, she and Jeff went to Jeff's brother's house. And um, we think that Angie probably had driven a house. And then when Angie showed up to Jeff's brother's house and realized that Ellie wasn't there and was actually staying with her boyfriend. She probably got like super, super angry and super upset. So what you're saying is some of, even though none of your family was still in the area, some of Jeff's family did live, live in the Prairie Village, Kansas area. Right. Okay. Do you know how many of his, uh, f how much of his family lived there? A lot of it? A little bit? I know at least his one of his brothers and his brother's wife lives there. Okay. Uh, there might be a couple other family members, but I'm not positive. Okay. Can you think of uh, was Ellie close to Jeff's? Let's just say his brother there. That that's the reason you think Al and uh, Angie might have thought that. Angela might have thought that. I think at the time Ellie was we moved away they would spend all their holidays with mm. with Jeff's family and um so I think Ellie was pretty close with her aunt and uncle okay aunt. all right so once again this is just a theory might be true you know we don't usually do a lot of theorizing here but it doesn't have anything to do with the disappearance is that uh your belief is Angela might have thought okay Ellie left she went over to Jeff's brother's and so when we go over there, she's going to be there. That's that's could be a, a a stream of thought regarding all of this. Right. Yeah. That's what that's what I think. Okay. So they go, and of course Ellie is not there, and that might have been the very second one. Angela, in particular, found out that Ellie didn't go there, and made to put two and two together, and figured out that Ellie went to live with her boyfriend and her family. Okay. So then after that. To your knowledge, is Angela ever seen again? Once again, to your knowledge, we're not putting this on anybody, but after that evening of being with Jeff's uh, brother and the brother's wife, anybody besides Jeff ever see Angela again? No, not that we know of. We don't know if her going anywhere else or being seen by anyone after that. Okay. So how long does it take, though, of course, we have to remember um, Jeff and Angela are living uh, alone now. Ellie's out of the house. Uh, she's uh, slightly estranged from her parents at that point, given what happened. You and your family don't live in Kansas anymore. How long does it take before somebody realizes that Angela is actually missing? Well, it was – I believe Ellie said it was three days after she moved out, Jeff texted her and said, 
um, we had, or I had your mom taken away to a mental institution. He said that he and like law enforcement and a couple medical aides had ambushed her in the parking lot of a grocery store and forcefully took her away and had her um, admitted to a mental institution. Huh. And um, when did you find out about that? When did you and your mother find out that that happened? We didn't know anything about Angela's disappearance until February 13th um, of this year, of 2020. So it was... Eight months later. Right. Can you explain why, and we'll get into what Jeff said, and we'll come back to the psychiatric story, of course, here in a moment, but can you explain why it took that long? Was there any time over that, especially like Christmas or something or Thanksgiving, whatever, that you know families usually talk to each other, that maybe you tried to contact Angela, um, your mother tried to contact Angela, and she couldn't be reached. Nobody got suspicious that you went eight months without hearing from her. Yeah, I know that my mom tried to reach out to her a couple of times. Um, my sister had just gotten engaged, like, in the fall, so she wanted to tell Angie, and they sent out wedding invitations, so she wanted to ask Angie, like, oh, are you coming? Um, if you can't because Ellie's in school and you don't want to leave her in Kansas by herself, then you don't have to come. That's okay. So, and she never got a call back from Angie, and it wasn't – super unusual because Angie would kind of, she was like, if she wanted to talk to you, she would talk to you. If she didn't want to talk to you, then she just wouldn't answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was, she was pretty stubborn in that way. So when my mom didn't hear back from her, she wasn't like suspicious or anything. She just kind of thought, okay, well, Angie's being a little rude, like not answering any of my calls or calling me back. But um, she wasn't like worried about, um, like she, it never crossed her mind that Angie could be missing or dead or anything like that. Okay. And being that Ellie was told this by her father three days after Ellie moved out, we have to remember that Ellie moved out, and then maybe the next day or the day after that, uh, that that Angela and Jeff show up at Jeff's brother's place. And so it would only been one or two days after that that Ellie talks to her father. And he says, yeah, I had to get your mother committed. And, this, of course, the tale you just told there. Um, did Ellie not turn around and call – I mean, once again, I know that you know weren't totally, totally close, but she didn't turn around and tell anybody else in the family what was going on. Anybody on your side of the family never did that. No, she didn't. And her dad like specifically instructed her not to say anything to us. Okay. And um, I know that, like, Ellie's boyfriend's family knew about it, so they tried to ask Jeff questions like, you know, Ellie kind of wants to visit her mom. Where, Where is she? Where, where is the mental institution? Where is the hospital? And he wouldn't tell them where it was. He just said she was somewhere down south. Um, he, he, like, refused to tell them the name of the hospital or... Um, like where she was and said that Ellie couldn't visit her and also told Ellie, like, do not tell the Guos. Okay, so he might have, maybe, he might have been saying that because he wanted to maintain uh, Angela's privacy. Maybe thought it was just nobody's business 
uh, not your business, not Ellie's boy uh, boyfriend's family's business, that Angela was going through something and um, you know he had to commit her. And I think that in our culture that you know it seems like mental health issues are you know they try to keep those on the more on the download than physical issues, you know, actual diseases and things like with viruses or whatever. So that could have been it. But even to but even to Jeff's own daughter Ellie, Angela's daughter too, he never told her the hospital, what state, what city, nothing. Right. Okay. And in addition, uh his story was that that she was uh, I'm using this word snatched. She was out somewhere and he arranged for her to be just taken right off the street. Right. Yeah, which is so ridiculous. Okay. All right. So that's the story he told. He wouldn't tell Ellie uh, that you know where she could even go see her mother, how her mother was doing, and Ellie bought this for eight months. Yeah, she never questioned him about it, but um, then it was. About a month later, after Angie was allegedly taken to a mental institution against her will, mm-hmm. on um, so on July 16th, which was about like less than a month after Jeff allegedly had Angela taken to a mental institution, he told Ellie that Angela had died of a stroke at the hospital. And but he d- still didn't say what hospital. Still didn't say um, what state, what city, nothing. No, he. She was kind of in shock, so mm-hmm. she didn't really know what to say. She never questioned him. She just believed it. But I know the next day, Zach's family, um, her boyfriend's family, invited Jeff over for dinner and tried to kind of get a little more out of him because they thought it was just so unusual like will there be like a funeral and he said no they asked like do you want me to write an obituary and he said no they asked there would be a memorial he said no and um her ellie's boyfriend's mom said that like he just kind of like stared into space the whole time or like looked down at the floor and just refused to answer any of their questions and that was their first time meeting him, so they didn't want to push him too far because they thought, okay, well, if this man is probably grieving, we want we don't want to push him too much. And they're trying to, like, walk the line of, like, figuring out answers, mm-hmm. but also trying to, like, respect his, like, grieving process and his privacy. Now, as far as if she died, if she did die from a stroke, and, of course, that does happen to people. Uh, of course, stroke is a very common way for people to die. But was there a, a, ever a, a burial? There's no burial, burial site. What did Jeff have to say about that? No, he um, – so Jeff said that he didn't want a funeral or he didn't want a memorial or anything like that. Um, he mm-hmm. – Later, told Ellie didn't ask questions for about eight months. She just believed him, and he also told um, Ellie not to tell us about Angela's death either. He kept saying, like, I'll tell them when I'm ready, but, like, you can't say anything, and you have to keep it a secret. So 
she didn't say anything to my side of the family or and she also never questioned him about her mom's death until she told us in February. Okay. Now at some point, and we'll get into uh, the bizarreness of this a little later, but at some point, though, he did say that he had Angela cremated. Yeah, he... Okay, we'll just he did. That's I just wanted to okay. set that up for a little bit later. So at some sure. point when there wasn't even a burial site, he just said, "Well, I had Angela cremated." He right. Said, okay. Now, eventually though, like you said, you eventually didn't find out until February. Elliot seems finally came around to thinking that something was strange. Um but there is this story about finally uh Somebody called the police and said, hey, let's do a welfare check on Angela Green. And who who caused this? When did this happen? And what did Jeff say when police showed up? Sure. So on February 13th of 2020, Ellie called my mom, and she told her that Angela had died. And my mom said, like, Ellie was crying so hard she couldn't hear, like, very much of what she was saying. But Ellie kept saying, like, my mom died on this. And my mom said she walked over to, like, the calendar that was in our kitchen and was like, it's February 13th. How could she have died on the 16th? And then that's when Ellie said, no, July 16th of last year. So my mom was just, like, so shocked. She didn't know what to think or what to say. So she called me and asked if I could talk to Ellie a little bit more. So... That's when I called Ellie and I started asking her kind of the same questions that we were just talking about, like, was there, how did she die? And she said a stroke, which we thought was really strange because she was 51. There's no history of strokes in her family. And she was, like, very, like, healthy and active and fit. Um, And then I asked, like, was there a funeral? She said no. And then I said, um... Where did she die? Which hospital did she die at? And she just kept saying, I don't know. My asked, like, is there a death certificate? Because then maybe we can figure out how she died, where she died, who signed off on the death, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And Ellie um, asked me what a death certificate was. So I get one. So the next day... Ellie drove to the Kansas Department of Health and Environment and um, asked for them to pull up her mom's death certificate. And after searching for a while, they said, like, they were able to find a record of her through her marriage certificate to Mm -hmm. death. But they said there was just, like, absolutely no record of her death in the state of Kansas. So this is when we were like, okay, this is so, like, my family was like, this is so strange, like, First of all, we're just now finding out that Angela had been seven months prior. Then we're told that she had a stroke, and we're told, like, that there is no funeral, and they don't know where she died, how she died, like, like which hospital it was or anything. So then my mom tried to call Jeff, and he didn't answer, and she left, like, a very open-ended voice saying, Angie, Jeff, this is Catherine, like, please give me a call back. We have something really important to discuss. Mm-hmm. And Ellie told us that she met up with her dad later that day, and he told them, or he told her, like, 
oh yeah, I saw her call. Like I ignored it and I'm not going to give them a call back. I'm not going to talk to them. So at this point, um, and also what's weird is that like my mom was calling Angela's number, but we later learned from Ellie that after her mom had disappeared, that he took, that Jeff took Angela's number of his own. So my mom thought she was calling Angela, but she was actually, it was going to Jeff's phone. Um, so we just felt like really hopeless at this point. We thought like sure. we were just told a bizarre story. Um, there's no death certificate and Jeff's not answering our calls. So I decided to call the Prairie Village Police Department and request a health and welfare check on Angela. And police told me that when they first got to the house, um, no one was home. So they started talking to the neighbors and the neighbors were like, yeah, we haven't seen her in a while. Um, they thought, oh, maybe she extended vacation or maybe she went to go visit her family. Uh, so they didn't think of like anything was too suspicious. Um, and then while they were talking to one of the neighbors, Jeff pulled up um, in his car and Angela was out with her friends for um, the weekend. So this whole time for eight months, he's telling his daughter that her mother is dead. She died of a stroke in a psychiatric facility somewhere. But then when the cops show up in February of 2020, once again, only like six months ago, he tells them that, yeah, Angela's gone. She went off with a friend for a weekend. Correct. Okay, and what did the police say to that? Did the police buy that? Did they know at that point, did they know the, of the different story that Jeff had been telling for the previous eight months? Yeah, they had called me, kind of gave me an update, and I was like, you do realize how bizarre this is, right? Like, he told everyone that she was dead. Like, mm-hmm. like you just spoke to, I'm pretty sure, like, Ellie had spoken to the police, too, and I was like, she was told by her father that she was dead <laughs> and um mm-hmm. the police were like well because that following monday was president's day and so they were like we just have to if he says that she's gone then we just have to wait until monday and see if she's back and of course she didn't come back right all right so, the so police went back to the house please. yeah on monday and she wasn't there okay and was, did they get to talk to jeff again or not um, they didn't get to talk to him again because he had hired a lawyer, and um, when the police tried to interview him again, he handed them the business card of his, um, I'm no longer going to speak with you. Right. Like, if you need to, you can contact my attorney, but I'm not speaking with you anymore. All right, so I guess then we might say, I'm not saying this, it, the way you're portraying it, I realize you weren't there. But it sounds to me like uh, Jeff was willing to tell people, you know, that his wife died, Angela died, and everything. As soon as the cops show up, he lawyers up. Right. Okay. All right. Now there's something else that uh, you mentioned regarding what Jeff said to somebody around the time of Angela's disappearance. He told uh, a coworker, and we should, should know that. Um, once again, he was working IT at like the federal courthouse or something like that. That that was his mm-hmm. job at the time. 
he told some of his coworkers somehow, and you'll maybe be able to explain how you uh, found this out, uh-huh. that uh, that Angela's family was in town, either from where you – I don't know if it – he was meaning your family from where you moved or her family from China. Uh, maybe you'll have to explain that. Yeah, so I found this out from the police because they interviewed some of his coworkers and that Jeff had told them that Angela's parents, my grandparents, were in town, um, which is just so bizarre because my grandfather is dead, so he would not be able to be in town because mm-hmm. he's dead. And second, like they have, they like my grandmother's way too old to travel, and she hasn't been to the U.S. since. Like probably since like the early early two thousand, okay. um, and yeah, there's there's no way that they were in town, but that's what Jeff had apparently told his coworkers. Okay, and once again, he told this to his coworkers around. The problem is the police weren't getting to these people until like eight months later, so we have to throw that in there. And we know how people's memories can get very sketchy after a while, but. The 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 coworker's perception is that he said this around the time that Angela went missing. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, but we know that couldn't have been the case is the reason, of course, that you just explained. Let's move on uh, what we might call the rest of the case, getting a little deeper into at least a, a few of these topics. You've already mentioned the death certificate. No death death certificate has ever been found in the in the state of Kansas. Uh, to your knowledge, has a death certificate for Angela Green ever been found in any state in the United States? No, the police did a search um, of the entire United States, and there is no record of Angela's death in any state. Um, the Department of Homeland Security tried to see if she had possibly traveled um, via like train or plane or anything, and they couldn't find any record of her travel either. Is it possible, once again, I am not totally up on this, being that Angela was uh, born in China, would she still have needed a, let's just say, that would she have needed a passport to go back to China if she wanted to live there? Yes, definitely. Okay. And um, she, her passport, her phone, her purse, her wallet, her driver's license were all found at the house. At the house. Okay, and we'll get to the warrants here in a second. All right. I'm just trying to establish, uh, did she have, like, dual citizenship, or was she exclusively an American citizen? She was exclusively an American citizen, okay. and she didn't talk to my grandmother that frequently either. Like, my mom talks to my mm. grandmother, like, pretty frequently, at least every month. Mm. And I know that Angie never... Um, contacted them like nearly as frequently and they always kind of like if anything happened to my grandparents like my mom would have to communicate that to my aunt because she didn't speak to them very frequently so we know that there's no way that she went back to china or is with um any of my family okay uh phone records you've already mentioned that you eventually found out that jeff changed angela's phone number so that it would go to his phone uh, has has uh, have the police gotten Angela's phone records from back from June of 2019? Have you ever seen them? Have they ever pinged her phone? Anything like that, to your knowledge? They were able to get searches of phone records 
um, they were able to find out that there, because Jeff said that he got a call on July 16th that from the hospital saying that Angela had died of a stroke. So they were able to confirm that there was no incoming call from any hospital that went to that number. But as far as like cell phone tower pings, they didn't find anything super helpful. And Ellie said that whenever her dad went out, he often kept his phone at home. So even if he had been traveling, his him to kind of like ping the different towers about his location. Uh, I guess what I'm also asking is that if they did get the phone records, could it ever been be verified, being that her phone was found in her house? Once again, we'll get to that. But could it ever be verified when everybody knows for sure that Angela used her phone for the last time? Could they ever figure that out? No, they're not sure. Okay. Now, Ellie, of course, uh, she went for a long time. Um, before realizing that you know maybe something here doesn't quite make sense, but she did go back to her where she grew up, where you know, uh, and her mother and father's house. Not long after, I guess she got kicked out. And what did she tell you, and maybe even the police about um, what she uh, smelled? I guess uh, how many days was this after she got kicked out? Um, this was only a couple days after Jeff had told her uh, Andy had been taken away from a mental institution because he was like, your mom's gone now, so you can come back and, like, you can come back and live here or you can come back and grab a couple more of your things because he knew that he left with, like, not very much. Um, and so she was like, okay. And so when she went back to the house... She said, like, it was just really weird because, like, the house smelled, like, bleak and, like, heavily of cleaning supplies. Mm -hmm. And she said, like, everything, like, the house was, like, kind of messy. But for some reason, the kitchen was just, like, immaculate. Like, it was, like, sparkling clean, and it smelled like bleach and, like, cleaning supplies. And she remembered thinking, like, huh, that's really weird. Like, why would the kitchen be so clean and smell like this when the rest of the house is, like, kind of messy? Like, if Jeff cleaned the house, wouldn't he clean the whole house, not just the kitchen? And uh, maybe I should ask, I don't know if you even know this, was it normal for Jeff to clean the house, or was it normal for Angela to clean the house? I'm pretty sure it was. it would have been more of Angela doing the cleaning. Okay. All right. So, and but we should know though. Ellie did not choose to live with her father. She chose to continue to live with her boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Uh, she so. said she got like a really eerie feeling when she went back to the house, and she didn't want to stay there okay. without her mom. All right. And once again, I would say uh, just to chime in here about Ellie. Once again, we're doing this uh, interview on October second, twenty twenty. And I do have in my plans to speak to Ellie again. However, at this point of doing this interview with Michelle, I don't know how much uh, we will include of Ellie in the program, hopefully quite a bit, but we've not made that decision at this time. Okay, so she did go back. She got some things, but she decided she was going to um, stay where she was, and then I, I guess she went back to school in the fall. But when she went back there, she... In her opinion, we weren't there, just Ellie's opinion. She thought, you know, some things seemed weird. Okay. 
So you've already mentioned uh, a search warrant, how these particular items were found. Let's go through that again, Michelle. Uh, of course, this wasn't until March 2020, so now we're talking eight, nine months after uh, the last contact with Angela. P police show up with a warrant. What do they do? Right. So the police were able to get two search warrants. One was for the family home where Angela, Jeff, and Ellie lived. And the other search warrant was for a property where Jeff um, keeps his vintage cars. And they said they didn't really find anything out except they did find, like, an expired passport, an expired driver's license of Angie's. And they also, like, she left her keys at home, mm -hmm. um, her purse and her wallet and all of that was left at the house. And they said that they also found an urn, but it was empty. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. Thank you for bringing that up, Michelle. That's going to set that up very nicely. But uh, how big is this property? They looked around. Uh, it should be noted just for the record, and I don't think I'm theorizing here, but we've already covered two disappearances on Unfound uh, that have been solved where the remains of the missing person were found on private property. So the police looked around there. To your knowledge, though, they did not find anything, see anything that really caught their attention? Right. I know that they, like, dug up almost the entire yard, couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. um, the property where he stores his cars, there's, like, a pretty large pond there, and they had, like, around 60 divers um, in the pond trying to look to see if they could find anything, and they didn't find anything. Okay. Is this uh, where Angela and Jeff uh, lived? Uh, he still lives there. But um, big property, small property, how big would you say it is? Um, their family home is a pretty small property. Small property. Okay. And are, I guess you've already talked about their neighbors. So neighbors to the sides of them fairly close and across the street? Yes. Okay. So nothing of any note was found of any noteworthy significance, but like you said, her phone was found there. Like all of her possessions were still there, phone, purse, other things that people carry on a daily basis. They were all found in the house. Right. Okay. Now you also, though, did tell me is that later in 2019, Jeff did get another property, but police could not get access to it. Right, yeah. So I guess in around November of 2019, Jeff bought a new property um, in Lawrence, Kansas. According to Elliot, it's a pretty big, um, it has a lot of land. It's around like 32,000 square foot. Uh, and the police have told me that they tried to get a search warrant for it, but the judge won't grant them a warrant because they said at the time between when Angie disappeared and the time when he purchased the property was too long of a time mm -hmm. to establish any probable cause to um, search that property for anything that would lead to Angela's whereabouts. Okay. I think that probably makes sense. I don't know how the listeners will feel about that, but that probably makes sense in, in my mind, so especially since it was he got this property so long after Angela was last seen. Uh, but you also told me that a significant amount of cash was found uh, when they did do a warrant on his house in March of 2020. 
Um, yeah. And I remember Ellie thinking that was really weird because she was like, my dad never had that much cash just like laying around. And he was like, they're a pretty frugal family too. Mm. Um, and so Ellie was like, that's really, really weird. Okay. Could it be that she just maybe didn't realize that her dad had a cash stash? I will tell you that my dad has had a cash stash even while my mom Mother was alive. He still had the cash stash, and he still has it. Could it have just been a situation like that? Is that possible? Um, I I have no idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess according to Ellie, she thought it was, she thought was it strange, was. but there's a chance that maybe like she just kind of blindly trusted her parents all the time and didn't really question okay. like anything they did. Okay. Uh, let's move on to this. Uh, I've already kind of mentioned this already, that Jeff mentioned that he had Angela cre- cremated. You mentioned one of the searches. They found this uh, urn. Uh, it's now time to talk about this because uh, this probably is, um, you know, I'm sure the listeners are leaning in a particular direction, but uh, this is probably something that's going to probably even push them further. But let's talk about this cremation urn that... Uh, your understanding is that he claimed that Angela's ashes were in it. Why don't you tell them the whole story about that? Yeah, so after I spoke with Ellie in February, she, I told her, like, you have to, like, figure out what happened. So one of the questions that she asked him was, like, where, like, what happened to mom? Mm-hmm. And he said she was cremated. And she was like, okay, um, can you, like, show me a picture of her death certificate and the urn? And he was like, I can't find the death certificate. But he sent her a picture of a bright red urn, and he said, this is where your mom's ashes are. And um, Mm -hmm. he told Ellie that one day, like, a stranger, he described him as, like, a Caucasian man with dark hair in his mid-40s and said these are Angela's ashes and told him to pay $1,500 for it and Jeff was like because Ellie was like $1,500 that's a lot of money like you don't normally just give away money like that to a stranger like $1,500 is about right for cremation and she was like that's weird how do you know that but then and she also thought it was so weird because she was like, because she had gone back to the house since, and she was like, I never have seen this urn before because it's bright red too. So mm-hmm. I would have noticed. And he said that he had it up on like a shelf that was like, that would have been very obvious and very prominent. Like, that's kind of weird, but this. Um, and the police, like I said, later during the search of the house, they found the urn. And they said that it was empty. And they also were able to get um, a search of his bank records and found out that the urn had recently been purchased online. So when you say recently purchased, I mean it wasn't purchased in June of ni- uh, 2019. It was purchased, let's say, in February of 2020. Correct. That's what I was told. Did uh, Jeff ever offer up any explanation for this discrepancy? No. Oh. Um, after 
about it. He just kind of said, like, I don't know, I don't know. Like, I thought the ashes were in there. I never questioned, like, whether or not the urn was empty or not. Like, when the man gave it to me, I just, like, thought that your mom's ashes were in there. That's what he said. All right. And we also have to remember that he lawyered up. Right. Okay. So the police could only push him so far on these things anyway. Right, yeah, right. the police haven't been able to speak to him since. Okay. So if I can just recap very shortly, uh, very quickly, if I could just recap this very quickly. So Ellie gets kicked out, and he says that uh, he had Angela taken into a psychiatric facility, but nobody knows where it is, uh, who the doctors are, nothing like that. Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska, no no news of this at all. Then he says that she died of a stroke while in the hospital, but there's no death certificate in any state in all 50 states and District of Columbia. And then on top of that, he said that, oh, yeah, I got your mother cremated. But then when they finally do get the, the urn, there's nothing in it. In addition, he had just purchased the urn like a month before the police were there and not at the time that he said that Angela died. Right. All correct? Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, let's move on to this just talking about Jeff. Does he still live uh, in the same house? Yes, he in, does. In Prairie Village, Kansas. Um, of course, you've already talked about how he uh, is lawyered up. Uh, to your knowledge, any new women in his life? Do you know what he's doing? You, I think you did tell me that since this happened, he's retired uh, from doing the work uh, that he was doing. But any new women in his life, you know, what's he been doing for 2020? No, that not that we know of. Um, I think police occasionally, like, drive by the house, too, and it just seems like he's kind of just, he's isolated himself at home alone. And, um, yeah, no one's really... Or at least not my family or Ellie has really heard from him. Okay. And, of course, you've already said that he has at least one brother that lives in the area. Do you know how any of – and I, I understand he has other siblings. Do you uh, have any idea how his family has reacted to all of this? Have they made any public statements about any of this? Um, anything? Um, no. His family has, I believe, his – uh, Jeff's brother, who lives in Kansas, and his wife, they um, were questioned by the police once, but they didn't really say anything. And Ellie said since she reported her mom missed, Jeff's side of the family has just completely turned their backs on her, and they refuse to talk to her. They refuse to help out with the investigation or to speak with police. And... Um, Ellie did tell me, though, that in February, when she first reported her mom missing, um, she called her aunt and uncle, and they were vacationing in Florida at the time, and they decided And her aunt said something along the lines of, like, okay, your dad really needs to lawyer up, like, like an accident must have happened. And that was the last time that, like, they – and then they – have refused to speak with Ellie since. So that's what they said to Ellie when she yeah. called him in Florida. So maybe some accident. Once again, Angela had an accident at home, possibly caused by Jeff. 
And then this uh, woman made the statement. I guess once again, this is this would have been Jeff's sister-in-law. Correct. All right. She said something, Ellie, that Jeff should lawyer up because maybe an accident happened or something. Just one. We're not saying that any of these people know anything that happened to Ansel. We're not saying that. But given right. it seems like this woman's assessment was that maybe something did happen in the house, and maybe Jeff would just be better off keeping his mouth shut. Right. Okay. All right. Um, what's this been like? We have to remember to remind the listeners it's a fairly new disappearance, once again, in Unfound's world. Um, this is a year and a, three or four months old. What is the last – of course, you didn't even know about any of this until six, seven months ago, like right before all the COVID stuff started here in the United States. Uh, what has right. this been like for you and, and of course, your mother, Angela's sister? What's the last six, seven months been like? Um, it's been a very, very confusing roller coaster. The police investigated for five months, um, and then they declared that the case went cold this past July. And they kind of, like, call us every month or so to give us updates, but they're just... Um, they, I think it's, it was super confusing for my mom and also Ellie, because Ellie had been mourning her mom's death and then all of a sudden was told that she was alive again. Yeah. Uh, so I think like both my mom and Ellie both had to go back and forth and, um, like, go between, like, is Angela dead? Do we have to, like, mourn her death? Or maybe is she alive? Because that's what Jeff is telling police now. So it's just been very, very confusing, very frustrating that we don't have any answers. Um, I think also very frustrating because at this point, Ellie has told the police everything that she knows. My mm. family has spoken to the police and told them everything that we know. Um, mm. The neighbors have spoken to the police uh, Ellie's boyfriend and family have spoken to the police, but Jeff and his side of the family have refused to speak with the police or help out with the investigation anyway. Okay. Yep, that's uh, yeah, that all doesn't sound uh, very good. I think, uh, of course, I realize listeners are going to lead, lead in a particular direction regarding all this, but once again, we do not theorize on the program. All we say is what people have said. You know, for example, this sister-in-law who gave her own opinion, uh, we certainly will talk about what other people have said, you know, what their opinions are uh, regarding a disappearance, whether it's Angela's or anybody else's that we cover on the program. Yeah, uh, you know, being this is so uh, new, Michelle, that there are pluses and minuses uh regarding disappearances that are fairly new for of course from the positive side is that of course any witnesses or any, any anything like that information very easy to obtain people are easy to find they may lawyer up but at least they're easy to find information is easy to get and it's fairly new so it's on people's minds of course the negative side is that sometimes over time people come forward you know given their conscience or they find out something later, like for example, you didn't even know that Angela was missing until eight months later. So it, you know, maybe there's other people who realize 
don't realize they know something that's helpful, and it may take a few years you know, for that to happen. That's the downside uh, of a disappearance that is so new uh, like Angela's. Um, I will say it once again. Uh, I'm going to uh, try to talk to Ellie. In fact, I know I will talk to her. I don't know how much in-depth we are going to cover if I do get to talk to her officially to include her in this episode, but I think that we're going to make that happen for the beginning of next week. But I make uh, no guarantees about right now at this second on what she's going to say and what we will cover. But uh, maybe, uh, Michelle, you can say, do you have a website or a Facebook page or anything like that set up for Angela? Um, There is a Facebook post. Ellie doesn't have her own um, Facebook, but her friend did write up a long post to Angie and explaining the whole story. Mm-hmm. And um, if people could kind of share that, and just, mm-hmm. because her disappearance was a shock to to even her neighbors too, because mm-hmm. she was such a homebody and nobody recognized that she had disappeared. So we're just trying to get the word out to as many people as we can. So what you're saying is right now, though, there's no Facebook page, uh, a page dedicated solely to Angela's disappearance, like find Angela Green, for example. Nothing like that set up right at the second. No, not right now. Okay. You might want to think about that. Um, You know, that's usually a good way to raise the profile of a disappearance. You never know uh, who's going to read that. A lot, Most of the people, most of the disappearances that I cover do have Facebook pages. Um, so I would recommend that you know to you if you want to do that. It's probably a good idea, but that's okay. that's totally up to you. Um, any last words before we complete this interview, Michelle? Um, no, I think that's all. I I really have. Yeah, that's basically all the information that we've been able to gather mm-hmm. from Ellie and the police since we found out about her disappearance. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Yeah, thank you so much for covering the story and for You're welcome. The interview section of this episode now continues with Ellie Green. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Angela Green, Ellie Green. Ellie, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Good to be here. You're very welcome. Let's start right into this. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about your mother. Uh, what kind of mom was she? Uh, what kind of personality did she have? Um, maybe we can start there. Yeah, sure. Um, so my mom came over from China when she was, I want to say, like 26 or 27. Um Met my dad there, and a year later, came here, and they got married a couple years after that, had me, and then I kind of became her life, and Mm. she was quite obsessed with me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And she didn't speak English very well. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have a job here ever, so it was, um, it was just, like, she poured her life into me and I became her purpose, sort of. Yeah. 
Uh, how did you? I, I realize that you're you're in college. Uh, how did you feel about that at the time? Um, you know, I I look back and <laughs> she was very much a tiger mom, mm-hmm. and she she uh, she took like tons and tons of me. Um, my I remember like my high school time being quite different from my friends. Like I had to get permission to go out all the time. Um, the rules are very strict. Like I didn't have a phone until senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Wasn't allowed to drive. Um, and she made me focus on academics a lot. Okay. Mm. But I, I like I look back today and I think I'm so thankful for everything that she's done. I'm lucky to have a mom who cared for me. Yeah. As much as, as much as she did. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh I sh- you should know Ellie that my mother died in 2018. Uh but um she sounds a little I'm bit sorry. like your mother. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh but she, uh, me being an only child myself, at least of uh, being raised as an only child. Um my mother was very hard on me as well, academics and I played the piano and everything. But I look up- back oh, on that same. time, you know, I I look back on that time very fondly now, although it kind of was crappy at the time. Now I look right. back at yeah. it and was like, well, it's probably good that she d- did that, right? Right. As, like that. as a teenager, as a teenager, you're like, oh, like why can't I go out with my friends? Mm-hmm. I know I have a test tomorrow, but I want to. I don't want to study right now, <laughs> and it'll just be for a short amount of time, and all kind, you know, that kind of thing. But um, she had good intentions. Right. Her, like right. her parents, I think, always have our best interests at heart. Right, right. And is it your belief that uh, your mom and dad only wanted to have one child? Did they intend on having more, or they just had one? What do you think? Um, You know, I think to have more, but she also wanted to see how much my dad would take care of this child. Mm. Okay. That factor in their decision, and I know that he... He was also older, so right. She was worried about any health issues that would come from that. Right. Okay. Okay. So they had you, and mm-hmm. uh, your your father uh, a little bit different than your mother as far as discipline and all those things. How would you? Uh, of course, yeah. he's still around, but how would you explain him? <laughs> a lot more lax. Okay. Um, I think your typical. American dad. <laughs> okay. Up until my like, obviously, pets um, would take me out to lunch. We'd go to car shows. We'd go to the zoo. We'd go to movies. Your typical father daughter thing. Uh-huh. Um. Of course, I I loved him a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um. He. Of course. That. Of course. Care of me, from like the feeding to. Picking out what clothes I was going to wear to driving me to and from school every day. Um, he worked at the courthouse in downtown Kansas City. Um, so, like, take your dog. Okay. Take your child to work, say. Okay. And he took you to work? Yeah. So I've met, like, all of his coworkers. I've mm-hmm. grown up there. 
basically. So it's, I say that because it's weird that he never told any about what has happened. Wow. Um, within the last year and at his retirement party that I went to, I brought it up to his coworkers and they had never even heard of it. They said that he never mentioned it. So that they they never he never mentioned to them that your mother disappeared. No. Wow. Not at all. Okay, well we'll co- certainly come back to that. Okay, so your mom's very strict. Mm-hmm. You're a father, uh, a little more laid back. Um and that's yep. how some relationships he didn't are very much Chinese. Right. Right. And yeah. uh, Michelle and I, I was like the mediator that. between the two. Yeah, I think that during my uh interview with Michelle, I think you called you so I said so Ellie was like a translator. Right. Something yeah, like you that. Yeah, could, could okay. say that, yeah. Okay. Well let's talk about your mom and dad's uh uh relationship as a couple, um being married um, what can you tell the listeners about what you observed? Um, you know, of course, them bringing you up. Yeah, um, really liked it from like the first. So it was kind of like love at first sight at the Hard Rock Cafe or wherever they met in Beijing. Um, they were introduced by family friends because he was over in China working on cars, mm-hmm. and. Um, they weren't like super affectionate parents in my eyes. Um, of course, to me, like growing up, I just thought everything was normal. I didn't know anything outside of that. They, mm-hmm. I saw like I saw fights. I think every child has seen some sort of fight between their parents. Sure. Um, and I was like, no matter what, they supported me together. So she wasn't, like, super fond of how much he spent working on his cars in the garage and when he could have been taking care of me. So Mm -hmm. that was the main thing all the time. But, um, like, parent-teacher conferences and spelling these piano recitals that always come together and, and support me, yeah. Okay. I uh, just have to ask this. Uh, during your time in the house, of course, you live on your own now, but at the time that you were living with both of them, uh, anything um, to the point where the police had to be called, anything like that? No. Never. No. Never. Okay. He also, he's never, I've never seen him be violent towards her. Okay. Like, his way of, of like, if they had an of course, like, my mom couldn't communicate what she wanted super well, I think, because of the barrier. And also him, same thing. Right. Um, but he was always just sit there and let it blow over and wait for it to pass. Okay. All right, so let's move up to uh, last year. We have to remember, I have to remind the listeners, this is a relatively new disappearance. Uh, at least in Unfound's world, it's relatively new. Um, being June of 2019, Ellie, you should know that the average age of a disappearance recovery on the program is actually 17 years old. So once again, this is a relatively uh, new one for us. But how did this uh, did this Italy trip um, come about? Uh, you went go, we went there for a few weeks in the summer, the, yeah. the late late uh, spring, early summer of 2019. How did it all happen? 
Um, so I wanted to take some summer classes because I always do some sort of class over the break. Um, and this time I decided, like, why not broaden what I what I wanted to do and see. So I went abroad, and I had never been out of the country before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just was ready to like expand my life and go off and see the world. Mm-hmm. So um, my mom was actually fond of traveling, and I learned this <laughs> because when I was little, we went to Florida. And I got very, very sick, and I ended up going to the hospital. I had, like, bumped my pancreas um, probably at home from before, and then we went on vacation. So that turned into a horrible time. I think she turned around to the backseat, and I wasn't breathing. Um, So she had this, like, fear of me Mm -hmm. traveling from then on. So... She wasn't super fond, but during that time, I still talked to her every single week while I was abroad, mm-hmm. and she knew that I was there, and she wanted me to stay at home, um, and I was like, yeah, I'll be home in, huh. like, next week. Next week. Um, yeah, that, this was, like, early June, mid-June, so... I came back home, worked at Union Station, and I had planned on staying at home. And when like, my parents, like, the boundaries they had set, so I knew to go out. I had to tell my parents every time I wanted to go do something, had to be approved. So every, like, teenager knows that feeling of going back to your parents' house and living there. But right. I... I had intended on staying for the rest of the summer and mm-hmm. plan on having it being a pretty good. Right. If I can ask, uh, how did this, who did you go to Italy with? Was this with other classmates or what? Yeah, it's a program where my school's professors teach abroad and most of the students are either from Kansas, Iowa, there's Arkansas. There's some other ones internationally. Okay. And uh, would you say that your mother tried to talk you out of going to Italy? Um, I really don't think she ever did. I don't recall that she really ever talked me out of going, honestly. Okay. Well, obviously she didn't talk you out of it because you went, but did she try to? Did she try to say, oh, Ellie, you didn't want to do that. I'm just wondering how protective she was. You said she doesn't like to travel because of this incident when you were a, a little kid. But... I, I would imagine so. I just don't remember a specific instance okay. where she did. Okay. But like any parents, they worried about you while you were over there, of course, being in another country. Uh, I'm guessing you don't speak Italian? No, no. lots of other languages, but not Italian. Oh, you know, okay, no Italian. So... Um, they have every right to be worried about that. You come home, so you come home, and let me ask you this. When you did come home, did you notice any changes in your parents, anything that you think uh, might have transpired between them while you were gone? Or was it the same old, same old? Um, 
like I didn't think it was terribly different. Mm-hmm. I I noticed that whatever my parents would come up to, they also brought me food and clothes and whatever else. While I was in college, um, like every other week or so, they would come and bring things and visit me. Um, and I, I felt like my mom was losing weight and not sleeping as much. And I, her only child, like leaving the nest. Yeah. Um, I, like, that was the only time that I saw them the entire years, so I don't know what their relationship okay. was really like, and then I was mostly at work during the day, so I was gone from, like, 8 to 6, and I didn't, like, while I'm there, they, they're, they could be, like, a lot calmer to kind of show that they're fine, but I don't really know. I didn't think it was... Okay. I don't think it was super out of the ordinary. Okay, so you came back from Italy. You see them. Nothing seems strange to you. But uh, it's uh, just within a few days, though, of you coming back. Um, I don't know if you'll portray it this way, but I'll just say it. It's kind of like you got kicked out of the house. Can you uh, explain what happened? Yeah, uh, kind of. Um, my mom's behavior, I couldn't really predict like I don't know where her outburst came from in the past I'd always been able to see like why she got upset about something the way she did and I think that it just built up from the whole year of me not really being at home and I got a car I got a boyfriend and it was just a lot it was out of her control, so I think that she took it out on me, hmm. which she didn't mean to at all. Um, so she didn't, she just didn't have a healthy outlet being a, a homemaker. So she told me to leave. She put my backpack and my pillow in my car, um, and I knew, like, I didn't, like, anywhere with the amount of things that she gave me. So I expected to come back home later that night or the next day and have everything blow over and it would be all right again. Obviously not the same. Yeah. Like we'd have to have to figure out why she did what she did and have an apology, but I never got a text of you can come back home now. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, I just remember sobbing and backing out of my way in my car. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I ever saw her. Was your dad there when this was happening? What did he have to say about all this? He was inside the house. He does what he typically does, which is just get out of it and wait until it blows over. Mm-hmm. So he did not, uh, um, once again, this is just an example. Uh, he did not try to say to your mother, hey, uh, hey, Angie, Angela, you know, go easy on her. You know, this doesn't have to happen. Anything like that, at least that you saw. Um, I think that he did, like, in, like this argument had been going on for a few hours. 
Mm-hmm. And you try to in the beginning, and that didn't work, so then you just sat out of it. Okay. Do you think that he supported you being kicked out of the house? No, not at all. No. Okay. All right. And uh, did you know right away, being that, did you uh, know that you were going to end up at your boyfriend's house, or were there other options to you, or what, what were you thinking as you were pulling out, pulling out of there, and where to go? I mean, there was my friend's house, several of my friend's houses. There was obviously my boyfriend's house, um, but that, the one I wanted to go back to was my own. Mm-hmm. And I know my mom didn't want to kick me out of the house. That's just like the way her brain worked. Like she did not want to do that. Cause she was mm-hmm. crying as well. Yeah. Then why do, you, why do you think she did it? Then? If she didn't want to do it, why do you think she did it? Um, all the things that had built up in her. Okay. Well, she just she just had to get it out somehow, and that just meant to get the thing out of her life that that was not like causing those problems, but was associated with with what she mm. was feeling. So she just push it away basically okay even though i was still the love of her life mm-hmm. okay uh do you think being that this was going on uh what do you think was in your mother's mind at the time did she think that you'd just come back in a couple hours or do you think in her mind once again you were with her for all those years and, and knowing her did do you think she had an idea of where you might be going uh, yeah, I think that if I thought I would drive around for a few minutes and not figure out where the heck I could go and then just come back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that she thought I would actually spend the night at, well, I've never spent the night at a friend's house before. Um, this was my first boyfriend. So that's what I think she figured. The other option was my aunt and uncle's house, mm-hmm. which was like 20 minutes away. Okay. All right, so you ended up going to your boyfriend's and staying there, but your mother, or uh, at least that day or maybe the next day, she never called you to, to check up and see where you ended up. No, I never heard from her again. Why do you think that is? Other than her her disappearing, uh, do you think that she, uh, if she was still around, you know, living in the house, um, do you think that she was just being um, stubborn or any insight into that at all? If you, if I, I guess no, I'm asking, she please, she would have gone to get me. I'm sure that I think that she probably went to try and get me, mm-hmm. but she couldn't find me, so that freaked her out and I don't know what happened there Okay. and she would have gone there to come and get me like that Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying is Ellie if you thought that in her mind she thought you were just going to ride around for a little bit then come back well obviously you didn't do that so I'm just wondering when that didn't happen why she didn't call you at least even later that day Maybe not within a few minutes, but oh, a few hours. Uh, 
I'm just asking you about you leaving the house as to what her state of mind was when you left. You I just don't know. You just have no – if, if the answer is you don't know, that's fine. You're saying you don't know. No, I don't know. Okay. All right, that's all that's all I was looking for. I don't know. Okay. If you don't know something, don't be afraid to say I don't know. All right. All right. So you move out, you live with your um uh you got move in with your boyfriend. You don't hear from your mother, as you've already said. But a few days later, you do talk to your father. How did that conversation come about? Um he just texted me um and get your things. Okay. Were you surprised to hear from him? Um, I expected to hear from him much earlier. He said, "Come and get your things." Mhm. Do you do you have any idea? Do you, do you think that he knew where you were? Your opinion. I told him where I was. Yes. Okay. So he knew, so he said, come and get your things, and did you do that? Um, I did. I think the next day I went over, and I also tracked to after he said, come and get your things. So she, she had been taken away in a parking lot, and it was a struggle. And that's what his text said. And then he told me not to tell the family. What did you think when you read that? Did that sound crazy to you or uh, did that sound reasonable to you? You know, he had actually he had actually started like before this time in the months leading up to all of this. He said, I've been talking to mental health officials. I've been talking to insurance. And so it wasn't that surprising to me that she was taken away somewhere, and he said, "I want to get her help." Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do? You, uh, so he had said this to you before, even before you moved out, when you were still living under their roof or going to school and living right. somewhere else. He had said this to you before. School. Yeah, okay. I just didn't know that somebody cannot be taken away like that. Mm-hmm. There's not a number for the police that you can call that somebody just taken away. So when he said this to you, when he would say this to you in the past, I mean, I I, I would admit uh, when my mother lied, it may be once or twice my dad said, you know, my your mother's so crazy. Sometimes I think I should have her committed. Your no, your impression, you, you took it to be serious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you get there to get your stuff, and do you have a a more uh, in-depth conversation with him about this. Um, yeah, I asked, can I go and see mom? And his response was that he didn't want me to until she was getting better. Um, I asked where she was. He wouldn't tell me that. I asked, like, the, what her treatment was that she was getting, like, what issues did she have and he said i don't know and i'll have to go look at the paperwork um just i couldn't get any real sort of 
concrete answer from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and telling her family that until he knew more about her condition. Okay. So at no point did he ever say if this what the name of the facility was, what city it was in, what state it was in, mm-hmm. nothing like that at all. Like sometimes he would say down south. Down south. And he even told me once that he went to go and try to get physical with him. So that's why he didn't want me to go and visit her. All right, so he was saying that she tried to lash out against him, so that was the reason he he didn't want you to go see her. Right, that's and, why he didn't tell me where it was. That, okay. was, his, okay. that was his explanation. And how many days when you did see him in person, uh, how many days was this after you got kicked out of the house? I only saw him times, maybe three times. If I texted him questions, he wouldn't answer, so I had to go mm. and actually see him. Yeah. So when was like the first? He literally just yeah. silence from when I asked, "Where's mom?" Just silence. Okay, just silence. When was the first time you saw him in person after you left the house? Um, three or four days. Okay, so you went back to the house. I guess you got more of your things. What did you when you went into the house? Uh, see anything unusual? Experience anything unusual? Please tell the listeners. I I think the kitchen was clean. That was the first thing. Actually, I don't think. I know. Mm-hmm. The, the walls before the Clorox wipes on the metal counter. Um, that was the first thing he cleaned. He said he was going to start there and work his way around the house and get everything else clean. Okay. He, he never got around to the other parts of the house, really, but... Just the kitchen mainly. All right, so your opinion is that the kitchen um, was cleaner than you were used to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, at any time um, while you were there, I guess you – did you get some of, you know, clothes and books or whatever else you needed while you were there? You did get those things? Yeah, I got some things. Okay. While you were there, did your father offer to have you move back in? No, he never did. Never came up? No, I don't think he ever said that. Okay. All right, so you go back. Um, I just have to ask, did you notice, other than this kitchen um, thing that you already mentioned, did you notice anything? Of course, you lived in that house for many years. Any mention or notice anything unusual? No, not really. Okay. All right. The one thing he said that was unusual was that he wanted to put out pictures that mom had taken around the house to remember the good times of mom. And I was thinking, why are you talking about her like she's already dead? Okay. But of course I I thought, but she's alive in a mental hospital somewhere being treated, so... That can't be true. Okay. Is it at that point uh, that he found out that you were living with your boyfriend? No, I had texted him that night that I left where I was. Okay. So that's my parents' name. Okay. And you still, even though you made that text on the on the the night 
the night of the day that you disappear, or you disappeared, but you left. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, you okay. never got a response from your mother. You only got a response from your father. Right. Yeah, I wanted an apology or apologize mm-hmm. or something, but I never got that. Okay. So you're there. You get some of your things. He doesn't offer for you to move back in, so he would be would be living there if your mother's not there. Uh, he would be living there by himself? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so you leave, and at some point – I don't have it in my notes here, but at some point, though, he just outright and tells you that while your mother was in this unknown facility, that your mother died. When did he tell you that? July 16th. So not quite a month after you got kicked out. Okay. And how did that come up? He texted me um, at, I think, around 6 or 7 p.m. and said we, uh, he wanted to talk. And I said, like, can't you just call me if it's really urgent? Um, he said, no, I want to do it in person. And I said, is it that long? He said, yes. So I came back later that night at like 10.30 or so. Went to the Krause's house, and he told me Angela has died of a stroke. And I just... Like, my world just went blurry, and I just Mm -hmm. basically crouched in the driveway, and I couldn't, like, cry, or I didn't have any words. I didn't really want him to hug me, because he did, and I just couldn't handle that at the time. And then he went over and told Zach, who's my boyfriend, and then he drove away. Okay. So he did he did you get the impression that she died just that day or the day before or what was your impression? I asked him that and he I believe I asked him the next day and he said that they went in to check on her like the doctors and nurses went in to check on her the night before and she was fine mm-hmm. and then they went to check on her the next day and she was gone. Okay. And were there any uh, – was there ever a, a, a burial, being that we know this is a disappearance program unfound. We know that there's something up regarding all of this. But uh, did he ever have um, – was there ever something put in the paper, you know, online? No that funeral, Angela... no obituary. Nothing. To write one, and he wanted my help to write one, but he never ended up writing one. Just all these, like, these – Actually go to nowhere and they just end up as dead ends. Okay, so what you're saying is none of the usual things happened when a person dies. No announcement, right. no obituary, no funeral, no wake, no vigil, he nothing. Never nothing. Told, he never told anyone else, like his friends, his family, his coworkers. He waited to tell his family until months later. Right. And you told us already that uh, his coworkers didn't even know that didn't even know that your mother was missing. Yeah, I didn't even know that they didn't know until December. Okay. 
All right, so this happens. You have no information. Um, I just have to ask you this. At the point that point, though, in July of 2019, did you believe your father when he said that your mother was deceased? Yes. Even though all these other things seemed to be missing, you you did believe him. I I didn't know as much as I do now. Sure. If I knew how much I do now, then I would definitely. Sure be more suspicious, but mm-hmm. at the time, given what I knew, I just was shocked for the next to recover from it. Yeah. So I just, I took that, make what I could of it, and I, the last thing I wanted was to think that my own father had done something, so yeah. I think that would have probably broke me. No, of course um, but at the, but just to be clear, at yeah. the time in July 2019, when he told you this, once again, and I'm not trying to make you look um, naive or anything, but just just straight out, you believed what he said. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have any reason not to up until that point. All right, great. So eventually, though, you go back to school, and uh, of course, I guess your boyfriend know, knows all about this going on. But did you tell your friends? Your uh, roommate at school, yeah. all these people. Yeah, I mean, I told everyone that night. I texted everyone that I knew, basically, that my mom had died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you tell them how there was no funeral, there was no obituary, all those things? Did you tell them all those things as well? Yep. Yeah, they knew everything. Any of them kind of say, well, Ellie, there's just doesn't something doesn't seem right there. No, no one ever said that to me, actually. Okay. All right, and but also, even though you were telling all of your friends, uh, that anybody that you knew, um, but he was keeping his mouth shut. Yeah, but my dad, on the other hand, was not telling anybody. Okay. Right. Did he ever tell you to not tell anybody? Yeah. Yeah, he did. All right, so you kind of uh, ignored that? Yeah, I ignore that, and I had even wished I told mom's family way before I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get to that. Okay, so you're telling your friends, none of them, uh, maybe just for whatever reason, uh, they didn't think anything sounded uh, strange. Of course, not even you thought things were strange, at least at the time, despite no funeral, no announcement, nothing else. And in fact, your dad telling you just to keep your mouth shut about it. Um, but you did really didn't do what he said. But still, you were believing him. So, what changed uh, between then in July to you already mentioned December of 2019, and then I guess we could uh, extend this the whole way to February of 2020. So only six months ago, seven months ago. Uh, what changed over that time? August, September, October, November, December. Um, what changed in your mind going from believing your father to maybe starting to doubt him? Um, yeah, so I I went back to campus and started my new semester. Um, so I saw him at most every other week, weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so and of course, like I knew when I texted him, he wouldn't he wouldn't answer any of my questions. So I had to go and see him in person. Um, so I'd like go back to the house and get some more of my things, and I would 
ask him some more questions mm-hmm. about mom, and he he would always lead me on, but then not show anything. So I like try to be respectful at the same time because I knew he was grieving, but of course I had like burning questions. So I'd ask like, "Where's the death certificate?" and he said that it was at home and then I'd text him for a picture of it and he wouldn't give me anything. So this go and then I asked like the next weekend and the next weekend and just went on and finally I got so tired of it and I was honestly just so mad. Yeah. That I I it hit me like the least I could do really was to tell mom's family, even though I hadn't spoken to them in years and they've never like, they've already gotten a call from me. So out of the blue, I tell them that my mom died. And, I like, they the first thing they wanted to know was why didn't my dad tell them? Mm-hmm. Because that, it just come from him. Um, but he, he never did, and I would always ask him when he would tell his family, when he would tell mom's family, and he would always say, like, I'm not ready yet. Mm-hmm. So, me being respectful was like, okay, I'll give you another week, and then I'll bug you about it again. Um, I even went to the length of writing all my questions down, and they these weren't, like, emotional ones, they were just like yes or no or a one word answer and he he still couldn't answer any of them. So at that point I confronted him and was like, Well, if you can't answer anything for me then I just have to, you know, kinda of take it into my own hands because mm-hmm. some things yeah. are very, very off when everything just builds up and and at a point you can start to believe something, but when you don't have any evidence to back that up, then then you start to get like yeah, you start to be suspicious. Yeah, that if, if, didn't happen the way that he said. Right. If you can say when you say he wouldn't answer, um, what does that mean? Would he say I don't know? I don't want to talk about that. that. He'd try to change the subject. Mean, yeah. what, what would he do? Uh. All of those and more. It'd be like he'd stare at the floor, he'd stare at out the window, he would say, I don't know, he'd say, I'm not ready, I don't want to answer that, um, that's at home and I don't remember, I'll have to go look at the medical papers, which none of, there weren't any medical papers, there wasn't a death certificate, there wasn't, there just weren't things that he, he said that there were. Okay. Now, you, um, you, of course, you spoke uh, to Michelle and your aunt, uh, your mother's uh, sister, and did you actually look in the state of Kansas where this happened? Um, you actually looked for a death certificate in Kansas and couldn't find one. Yeah, I took class early on Friday to go to Topeka to look for it, and there wasn't one. Uh, what did your father say when you told him that you couldn't find a death certificate in the state of Kansas? Well, the conversation went this. I confronted him at the new house that he bought in Lawrence, and I I said, like, where did mom die? And I started out with that. 
basically told him I had a bunch of questions he had to answer. So started out with that one, and he said, I think it was Kansas, and I said, no, it wasn't. And he said, how do you know? And I was like, I went to Pika, and they couldn't find one. And then he said, oh, I don't remember. I'll have to go home and look at the desert again to go and see. All right, and so just to, I, just to be clear on this then, Allie, just to be clear on this, he couldn't remember the state in which his wife died? He couldn't remember the state in which his wife died. No, he could not remember. And I was just appalled. Okay. I was like, that is not right at all. Like, yeah. Okay. So, so you did that. Now, how do the police uh, eventually get involved in this? I've been told, of course, Michelle and I have already talked about this. This was a welfare check that was done. How did that all happen from your point of view? Um, I believe the neighbors were called and asked where my mom was. And they said that, you know, they hadn't seen my mom in at least six months, which is the amount of time that has to, like, pass before people are actually called in to go and check. So they, the police went to the house and asked my dad where she was, and he said that my mom was out partying with friends and would be back later that night. And I I thought that is one of the worst lies you could come up with because my mom never drank, never smoked, never partied. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, that was the first thing that hit me was, you said that she's alive to authorities. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? Uh, uh, the gun, you know not to say that. Um, so, anyways, they called me. That's what they told me that he to them. And then they asked me where she was, and I said, she's been dead for months. And they mm-hmm. waited until later that night. They called him again. And he said she wouldn't be back until the end of the week. Then. So they waited until the beginning of next week and went and asked that he had gotten a lawyer and refused to answer any questions. So he handed them his lawyer card and the number and mm-hmm. shut the door. Did you personally ever have a chance in this time frame of the police going and him telling them, oh, yeah, she's going with friends? When you found out about that, did you have a chance to say to him, hey, why did you tell the police that that mom is uh, out with friends when you've been telling me for months that she's dead? Did you ever have a chance to ask him that question? I asked him in the phone calls afterwards. Mm -hmm. And what did he say? Um. He he would say, like, I just thought that was the best thing to tell you at the time. Oh, so he was – all right, so what you're saying is he he changed then. He started telling you that, no, 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 she's not dead. She really did go off with somebody. Well, yeah, so after I filed the missing persons report the next day at the beginning of that week, mm-hmm. I got a call from him, and he started telling me the whole entire – New story of what happened with friend back in like June. So he told me the mental 
she died. He told me she ran off partying to, like, maybe appease what happened, that she actually abandoned me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know in what world death is better than somebody still being alive, but that was his reasoning. Um, so he couldn't remember what friend, he couldn't remember what car, he couldn't remember what day he had seen her. Um, he rambled on and on about, about like how she seemed to still be coming back into the house and opening cabinets and leaving dirt trial on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't believe any of it. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you <laughs> did. So, so, so yeah. maybe if I could just boil this down. I mean, this is all uh, – thank you, and I thank you for doing this interview. Ellie, I know this cannot be easy talking about your father like this, and I, I deeply appreciate it. Uh, but just to boil this down for the listeners, uh, your father first tells you that she went to a psych hospital, couldn't identify where it was, what state, what city, nothing. And then on top right. of that, then like a month later, he says, no, she's deceased. But there's no obituary, anything like that, no proof. And then you eventually find out that there's not even a death certificate in the state of Kansas. You confront him about that. He, he him, haws and avoids the topic. But then, yeah. when, but then when law enforcement shows up, he totally flips and says, oh, yeah, she went off with friends and she'll be back in a few days. Mm-hmm. But then right. she turns around. Then on top of that, he turns around and tells you, Oh, that whole thing about your mother going to the psych hospital and her dying, that was all a lie. She really did take off. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's it. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure I got all that so and so the listeners can understand that. Okay. So this all happened in February. Um, How much interaction did you have with the police uh, one-on-one, and did they ever say anything to you? We'll get to what happened in the next month in March, but – during this time, um, were you very clear with them that, you know, he's been telling me she's been dead for like nine months now? Oh, yeah. I told them everything that I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in your opinion, how did the uh, police react to that? Um, honestly, I think they just put their heads in the files and went to work. Like, they worked on that case a lot. Okay. All right, so the police were very clear once they showed up and were told that story by your father, and then you heard about that story. You said, no, 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 no. That's not what he's been telling me. That's mm-hmm. a total lie. I think the first, those first few days after he told them that she was still alive, they had to, like, they still listened to him. And. I don't know if that's just because I'm younger, mm-hmm. but they, like, that amount of time, that the little window where we had to still be able to talk to him before he got a lawyer yeah. was gone. So right. that's unfortunate. But after that, like, I told them everything I knew to try and help in any possible way and see what we could find. Okay. So eventually police did serve uh, warrants on uh, the house uh, where he lived, where your mother lived, uh, Mm -hmm. where you grew up. And when was that done? Um, What did they take? Um, And then we can talk about this 
uh, earn. This is also a conversation I had with Michelle, but I want to hear it from you as well. Let's first talk about the police showing up and, and doing these warrants. Yeah, they showed up early in the morning and took him to the police station where he was detained for the amount of time they were searching. And I had no idea prior what was going to happen that day, so I woke up and flurry of text saying I need to go to the house. Um, so I I went there and it was uh, still a nightmarish scene of having your child at home covered in crime scene tape and things circled on the walls mm. and your backyard is being dug up. Yeah. So they they just kind of asked like what seemed what had changed and how and some things that they know around the house. Um, that's basically what I did. And then at another property, they also searched with cadaver dogs and divers, and this is in Olathe, and it's where he kept his cars, so mm -hmm. his friends let him keep it. I don't know if he rents that space out or not, but it's a pretty large area, and neither location yielded anything. Okay. All right, Any so the... Trace of her. Okay, so the police went over those different locations pretty thoroughly, in your opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the way you remember uh, being in the house, was was all of your mother's stuff still there? Was her phone there? I mean, all these months later, did it appear to you that anything of your mother's possessions were missing? They found her driver's license, her passport, her phone, mm -hmm. the keys to the car. I mean, everything was at home. Okay. So, and my mom is not like dumb enough to not take her things with her if she were to run away. Okay. Do you know, did you tell the police about back went back and I guess it would have been just a few days after uh, you left the house that how you said the kitchen was very clean. Do you know if they inspected that area? They did. Yeah, I watched them inspect that area. Okay. Yep. Like with luminol and things like that? Something yep. like Okay. Yep. All right. And did, they, did those warrants also cover the vehicles? Um, not maybe the vehicles that you're um, – maybe they did – I guess it covered everything. Did they look at all the vehicles that you, uh, your father and your mother owned, both the ones they regularly used and the stored ones? I know that they took the car away, like mom's car, too, um, and then – I believe that they also had to get into some of the other cars at the Olathe property. Okay. All right. And do you know during all of this, did uh, the police go and speak to some of your dad's friends, his coworkers? And is do you think this is the first time any of them even heard about her being missing? Yeah, they tried to reach them, um, and some of them responded with with anything from him about such a seemingly large situation. Okay. 
do you think that any of those people could offer any more insight into your mother's disappearance at all? Um, I think specifically his side of the family, yes. Okay. Uh, when do you think that his side of the family found out that Angela was missing? Um, I think that his uncle and aunt Sorry, my uncle and aunt, his brother and sister-in-law here mm -hmm. in town, they knew quite early on, um, if not within the day or next few days that my mom disappeared, and they're not speaking with the police. Um, they were questioned and didn't really answer anything. So... Um, I asked him when he told the rest of his family, and I believe it was sometime around Thanksgiving before they all came to Kansas City, so they already knew before mm -hmm. they came here. Um, one of my uncles told me he said that she died and then changed the subject. Um, and those of several of the same family members now, after I've told the public about the entire story, Yeah, they have either blocked my phone number or wow. been very, very cold with me. Like, I asked that aunt and uncle who are here in town if they would like to go and have lunch sometime. Yeah. And she responded with, if we don't talk about your dad. And I was very confused by that. And the following texts were not so welcome either. So the majority of his family is not cooperating and not supportive. Um, okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard uh, what their opinion is on your mother's disappearance? Do they – I mean obviously at this point they know that your father told you one particular story for a long time and then changed his story once the police started coming around. But you don't know what your aunt and uncle or any other of his family members believe regarding Angela's disappearance. Have they ever voiced their opinion that it's gotten back to no. you through the grapevine? No, I'd, I'd love to know what they know, but I don't know. You don't know. Okay, but they are – your opinion, they are rallying around him. Yes. Okay. I mentioned this urn. We've already talked about it with Michelle. Um, but let's go through it again. Uh, of course, he said that she was deceased. He, in addition, said that he had her cremated and that he got got this urn. Tell your side of the story regarding this urn. When did you find out about this urn, etc.? I didn't know about this urn until February. So, again, everything leading up to that time that I went to file the missing persons report and really became concerned it all built up so he he told me he had an urn with her ashes in it at home mm -hmm. and that was the last time that i had seen him in person this was mid-february when i and he so i asked him to send a picture of it to me within the next like in the next few weeks and he did, and in the phone call, the day I filed the missing persons report, he told me, along with the other humongous story that he had, 
about how she disappeared and ran off with a friend and said that there was a man that came to the door, um, Caucasian, 40s, who asked for $1,500, which she handed over, and he, this man said that his wife's ashes were in it, so he took it and paid the money and put it on the shelf and never thought anything about it. And I have been to the house in the time prior, between September when he said this man showed up to February, and mm -hmm. I have not seen that urn on that shelf ever. All right. And it was uh, determined, I, yeah, yeah. And it, it was determined that the urn had nothing in it and that he had bought it online. No, but then, to his surprise, there was nothing in it. All right, there was nothing in it, and but he did buy it online. Or yes. Something? Okay. Yeah. So once again, to go through this story, of course, he changed the story that your mother ran off with strangers, and then at some point, though, before that, some guy, some stranger, no name, no business card, nothing, shows up with this urn, and your mother's ashes were supposedly in it. Mhm. Mm okay. Right. All right. So that's the story uh, with the urn, and once again, uh, the, the listeners got Michelle's um, version of it, which is uh, the same, uh, just from a different point of view. Okay. Um, of course, your father, uh, since I guess March or, or February or March, has been of 2020. We're doing this interview on October 6, 2020. Um, has lawyered up, and has, does he does he lawyer up with you as well? Wait, say that again? Yeah, does he – being that he is lawyered up with the authorities, does he lawyer up with you as well, saying when you want to talk about – when you've asked him after this about your mother's disappearance, has he lawyered up with you, like says something, well, you know I can't talk about that or whatever? What does he say? Oh, no, he doesn't really say that. He just says I don't know or I don't remember or he literally just silence. Like there will be – I'll ask a question over the phone and there will just be minutes of silence. Okay. How often do you talk uh, with your father? Uh, people should know that um, you're you're a student at a school. I'm not going to get into where, but uh, so you live in a dormitory or something like that. Uh, how often do you talk with him? How often do you see him? Does he ever even mention your mom? Does he ever bring her up when you two talk? Over the past year, besides, aside from the time that he's told me that she died. He never brought it up in any lunch that we went to at any time that he came to see me. Mm -hmm. And every time I brought up, he, you know, avoided, so I don't know, that whole thing. So it was very hard to get anything out of him. Um, I have not seen him in person since the last time that I confronted him angrily. Um, I have talked to him over the phone and the up to like 10, between 10 and 20 times, um, I'd say like about 15 times, and I have these long phone calls where I ask him a bunch of questions and we don't really get any answers. Mm -hmm. when was right now, he just pays rent and tuition, so that's... For your the, school? That's the entirety of our conversation, yeah. Okay, so... Um, okay. Uh, so when was the last time you saw him in person? February. 
So February 2020, once again, we're doing this interview in October 2020. And when was the last time you spoke to him on the phone? Um, I believe July 16th when I asked him once again where mom was and whether he had heard from her of this year. All right. So about uh, not quite three months ago, that was the last time you talked to him. Okay. What's this? Uh, I gotta ask. I ask this of all guests who are on the program, Ellie. Uh, what has the past sixteen months been like? Oh gosh. Um, um, like obviously, the logical side is my mom died, maybe alive, whatever. But emotionally, I've lost one parent, and I've basically lost another. Mm -hmm. And the people that I have loved, I've lost so many of them, including some of his side of the family, who I thought was supportive or not. Um, and I mean, I've been—I was super anxious after my mom left the house. Mm -hmm. I have never had so much anxiety in my life um, through the whole grieving process, which is at least like six months long. I was angry. I was in denial. I was shocked. The whole like stages that you go through are very real. I was depressed at a point. Um, and then that and possibly think that my mom was alive. That was a very very hard to process. Mm -hmm. And then I basically felt like I was grieving alone because my dad wouldn't give me much information on her. Yeah. Or would just lead me on. It wouldn't go anywhere. So when you aren't at school, and being that you haven't seen your father since uh, February, uh, where where is it that you live when you're not at school? Um, either my friend's house or boyfriend's house. Crafts okay. his family has okay. all open their arms. Okay. And um, you know, how supportive you know, just to, if you want to give a shout out to some people who have helped you through all this, of course Michelle, her mother, your boyfriend, how supportive yeah. have they all been for you? Amazing. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm alone anymore in this. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, Ellie. Uh, any last words before we want, uh, before we complete this interview? Um, I obviously hope to get justice for my mom. I honestly just want to know what she is, so I can have a place to go and grieve. Um, if in the possibility that she's alive out there, I love her and I hope she's safe. Ellie, I appreciate you uh, being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for taking the time. You're very welcome. And those were my interviews with Michelle Guo, niece of Angela Green, and Ellie Green, daughter of Angela Green. I thank them for joining me and all of you on the program. I want all of you to know from an ethical standpoint that it wasn't a given that Ellie would appear on the program. 
I was hesitant due to the fact that Ellie is only 20 years old, making her the youngest guest to ever appear on Unfound. More importantly, she and her father still have a relationship, and that he pays for part of her college education. My concern is I didn't want to put her future aspirations in jeopardy, should her father cut her off due to Ellie appearing on the program. I voiced these concerns to Michelle. In return, Ellie, through her cousin Michelle, acknowledged those concerns, and Ellie decided to do the interview anyway. In no way did I demand or expect her to appear on this episode. I once again thank Ellie for appearing. She did a great job speaking about her mother. As for what I can say about Angela's disappearance, what really can I say? Jeff tells one version of events for seven months, then turns around and tells a different one. And there's no scientific or logical way to say that both stories could be true. Angela either died in July 2019 or she didn't. And if she did, she couldn't have gone away with friends. Likewise, if Angela went off with her friends, then there's no way Jeff could have admitted her to a mental hospital. And she died there. So either one of those stories is a lie, or both of them are. Either way, I think we all know that Jeff knows way more than what he's said. Whether she died in June or July of 2019, or Angela really did run off. So I want to say this to him. A parent's first duty is not to himself. It's to his child. If a child is in pain, a parent's moral duty is to find a way to make the pain go away. Even if it means the parent may suffer pain in the process. Jeff, your daughter is in pain. We know you can make it go away. Will you fulfill the obligation you took on in 2000 when Ellie was born and show her that there are either true signs of death or life for her mother, Angela? Listeners, I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you used to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.